Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today's episode, we have Dr. Rachel Cooperman from, uh, is it is Eyes? Am I saying it right? Eyes, that's right. Eyes. Um, I, I like how you have it spelled too. You'll have to, uh, what's the exact spelling of it? It's, it's E-Y-S-Z and it's I plus the abbreviation for seizure. So it's Eyes. I like it. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, people will see your logo, pretty cool logo. It's kind of like this, uh, it's almost like a technology looking, uh, uh, is that what you were going for with it? Eye brain. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool though. They'll see it. Love the color purple. One of my favorite colors. Um, I'm a big brand person. I, I like reading about new companies and learning about, you know, what they're doing. But the first thing that draws me to them is, do I like the logo? And I, I will say, I tend to give the ones that I like the brand and logo to a little more extra time because it it catches my attention. So you, you, you pass that uh, part of the equation and uh, I'm excited for us to chat. It's great to I, be here. I, I'd love if you kind of kick things off. Uh, and just so the audience knows, you're traveling right now. We're actually like, this is the first time this has really happened besides uh, when I, I had a conversation with the the, the head of uh, innovation at Tampa General, that someone's actually in the same area, technically, because uh, you're, you're, uh, you're at an event down here. But I'm excited for us to chat. I'd love for you to kick things off by telling the audience about your background, and then we will go and see more about eyes. Great. So um, my background is, uh, I'm the child of a scientist, um, and science was always kind of the be-all, end-all in my life. Um, and I did my undergraduate training in physics, very technical oriented, did um, a neurology, pediatric neurology uh, fellowship, epilepsy after that, um, and then went on to run the epilepsy program and clinical neurophysiology program at UCSF uh, Benioff Children's Hospital in Oakland. And um, as someone that has lots of technical expertise, you know, really kind of taking ownership of patient care was a very eye-opening experience. Um, you know, all the technical experience in the world isn't going to help you kind of communicate and advocate. And uh, it's really a skill that I needed to learn after I started. And um, ultimately, that's what led me to found eyes. Interesting. Yeah, you, you do have a very technical background, which honestly, for the space that you're in too, is very much, uh, very much needed, uh, especially to, to really create a great startup. Um, I, I want to focus in on this problem. This was one of the things that you and I chatted about when we were kind of uh, preparing for this podcast is you, you have some stats in kind of your, your, your deck, I guess, that kind of lays out how big this problem is. Can you explain to people that maybe aren't too familiar with like epilepsy, how big of a problem it actually is in comparison to, to um, some of the other things that we kind of focus in more on in healthcare? Yes. Yeah, so epilepsy is a neurological disorder, um, which is characterized by recurrent unprovoked seizures. And, Many times it's accompanied by um, cognitive uh, challenges, um, which can be worsened by medications and treatments. So um, epilepsy in the United States has roughly 3.4 million people who have carried the diagnosis, 150,000 new diagnoses per year, and $28 billion of direct medical expenditures. And when you put it into the context of um, other disorders, there's more people with epilepsy than with autism, cerebral palsy, um, and multiple sclerosis combined. So um, I think the stat that always kind of takes my breath away is the one that's published by the Epilepsy Foundation, which is one in 26 people have epilepsy. And uh, it's interesting because when you talk to people about it, they say, oh, I don't know anyone with epilepsy. I said, no, no, I bet you do, go back. 
And um, sure enough, most people have a friend of a friend or a you know, relative who has epilepsy. Oh, and just the last point is that it kind of speaks to the stigma of it. The fact that we don't really know the people who have epilepsy um, or understand how many people that surround us have it, it really speaks to the fact that it's, uh, it's just not talked about it. There's still a lot of stigma associated with it. Yeah, I, I think back, it's, it's either, you know, it's either a friend, a family member, or like a friend of a friend, right? But it, you're right. They, I feel like people too that have epilepsy, it's not something that they, they come out and talk about all too much. Um, why is that? Why is the, is there like a stigma associated? Like, can you explain more about that too? Cause I think it's also important if we can create a, maybe a better environment to talk for people that have it, to talk about it, it will also provide that additional level of awareness, which will obviously help continue to move forward. So there's definitely a stigma about it. I mean, um, one of the big challenges is really the unpredictability of it. So people who have epilepsy, um, tend to self-restrict. Um, so many people can't drive um, if they're having frequent seizures. Um, they, uh, seizures can be worsened by things like sleep deprivation um, and alcohol and stress. So um, people I think try to keep a low profile. Um, and many people who have epilepsy also suffer from depression and anxiety. Um, so that can put, uh, you know, that can affect you in and of itself and affect your life choices. So, you know, you don't have to look back that far in the United States to see that um, people with epilepsy were treated very poorly. Um, and, uh, you know, there's still a tremendous number of misconceptions about it. Um, even basic seizure safety um, is just starting to get out there. You know, I talked to many people when I was working full-time clinically and they still believe that people could swallow their tongue. Um, some people believed epilepsy was transmissible. So it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of education to be done and there's a lot of foundations right now doing the hard work of getting that, the, the right information out there. Can you, can you talk us through some of the things that you're doing with eyes um, that help solve this problem? Yeah, so, you know, the biggest problem um, as we were chatting about before is that with other disorders, for example, like diabetes, we have methods of tracking and understanding who's sick. So for example, you would go to your doctor and you'd have all your glucoses and you'd have your hemoglobin A1C and the doctor would have a pretty good picture of how their treatment is going, how your body is responding. In epilepsy, you know, we basically ask the families to tell us how somebody's doing or ask the patient to self-report. And the problem is, is that epilepsy is a disorder of the brain and a disorder of consciousness. So when someone loses consciousness, they may not necessarily remember that they had a seizure, yet we're asking them to tell us how they're doing over time. And so what that means is that um, even in the best case scenario, we know that at least 50% of seizures are missed. Um, and so, the, so someone with epilepsy would go to their doctor and give a report, well, since I saw you last, you know, I had two seizures and maybe I'm a little drowsy and the doctor would go, well, two seizures? Did you miss your meds? Are you sure you had a seizure? Did you ever wake up in the middle of the night? Not sure if you had one. And you can just imagine what kind of a rabbit hole it is to try to understand what's happening. And then when you're then taking that information and making a clinical decision, I really felt like it was unfair to my patients. Like they didn't understand how much weight I was putting on their subjective 
description of what may have happened to, you know, decide to switch meds, to start thinking about hospitalization. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, we're so behind in that sense. And another example is there's something called sudden death and epilepsy. It strikes between one in 100 to one in 1,000 um, per patient years. So it's, it's not, you know, in my practice, I would have roughly, I would lose sadly one patient a year um, to this disorder. And um, they would be found dead in bed at night. And the problem is, is that I had no indication. I could, you know, one of my patients that passed away had successfully had epilepsy surgery two years prior and was seizure free. But now that now she was found dead in her bed. And I didn't know she was sick. Like, that's not right. Like, I should know that she was at risk. I mean, I knew that this could happen. But there's nothing specific about her that warned me this patient is sick keep this patient on your radar. Instead, you know, we're left having these conversations that we think are doing a good job informing our decision making, but they're not. Yeah, that's, that's, that's horrible. It, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a helpless feeling too, right? Because you feel like you probably could have helped her, but because you, because there wasn't uh, access to information to know whether she was sick or not at the, at the current moment, how, how can anyone provide help, the help that someone needs, right? If you don't know, um, and that really goes with a lot of, and now we're, I think we're much farther along in other spaces of healthcare. We, we have, um, you know, gauges and checks, and this is a similar problem, I think, is what they're going through in the mental health space right now, is they're trying to build in those checks to understand, like, where is someone actually at? Because for a while, it was kind of like the Wild West, right? You didn't really know, you know, who's depressed and unless they're, they're talking to you or there's certain signals, right? You don't know that information. So interesting. Okay. Well, what I'm curious about, can you talk us through, I guess, with eyes, what, what the future of this space looks like? And, and really, I guess um, you don't have to share too, too much, but really what your vision is, ultimate vision is for the company. Yeah. So we are basically developing a digital therapeutic. The concept is that we're leveraging existing eye tracking technology. So over the last 10 years, there's been a revolution in eye tracking. Um, eye tracking is embedded in multiple hardware systems now, including VR and AR headsets. Um, it's becoming more and more powerful and accurate. Um, it's in cars, et cetera. And the concept is we're taking this, this passive data from our spontaneous activity and analyzing it to get a window into the way the brain is behaving. Um, in our initial market, we're really looking at a subtype of epilepsy that affects children predominantly called absence epilepsy. And kids that have this type of epilepsy have very brief episodes where they stop and stare, typically on the order of 10 seconds, um, at onset between five to seven times per hour. So super frequent. Um, and the problem is, is the episodes are so brief, parents can't count. Um, the correlate, correlate of that is that the pharmaceutical companies can't count because the FDA uses seizure counts as the outcome to show that drugs work to treat something, right? So there's been no new medications in this space in 30 years because nobody can count these seizures accurately. So the concept is really that um, someone would be wearing our device. We would be able to get a baseline seizure burden, what their seizure count is, um, what their cognition is like pre-treatment. And then as treatment progresses, we would be able to follow them and see that, hey, this medicine's working, really minimal side effects, this patient's doing well, or, hey, this medicine is kind of working. Gosh, they're having a lot of drowsiness. This isn't working for them. Let's try something else. And instead of having patients stuck in these prolonged treatment cycles, 
It's about getting them on the right medicine as quickly as we can um, so that they have a better quality of life and can return to normal activity. What's, wh what's next for the company? Yeah, so we're currently running a clinical study um, out of four sites. Um, it's, uh, we're taking our algorithms that we developed when I was at UCSF um, and uh, refining them in preparation for a pivotal study uh, that we hope to start early next year um, with the uh, getting ready for the FDA submission by the end of next year. So the goal really is to, to get um, this initial absence epilepsy seizure monitor on the market um, in the next year um, with the plan of expanding to other seizure types and other neurological disorders. And the goal really is to provide treatment support so clinicians can make appropriate decisions or personalized decisions for their patients based on real data. Very exciting. I, I look forward to, to continuing chatting with you and seeing the progress of eyes, but you're, th thank you for what you're building. Uh, it's, it's super interesting. You're going after a space that I, I don't think gets the recognition that it really, it really should. And that was part of why we wanted to talk, right? We want to hopefully shine some more awareness on the problem that you're solving and make, make eyes more known to uh, the companies, uh, other, other people out there in the space, both that have epilepsy and that are interested in, in learning about what the, the future of healthcare will look in all areas. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. And um, we're also fundraising. So uh, feel free to check out our website, um, www.eyslab.com. And uh, I'll throw uh, one of the links to, because uh, you are doing uh, part of your raise is crowdfunding, right? Exactly. Yeah, the goal really is to make this accessible to the people who this is a challenge for or care about this and um, to bring them along on our journey. Perfect. Yeah, I'll throw a link for, for everyone listening in the show notes. So you'll be able to easily go check that out. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Best of luck. It was a pleasure, Jared. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcast, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. Dot com, And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.